If you brought your laptop today, I do have a tiny URL if you'd like to go there and optional, but you can get slides and there's a back channel on today's meet. So for those of you that would like to participate virtually with some text chat during our presentation today, feel free to do that. I'll flash that address up a little bit later. I want to just start by saying what an honor it is to be here and how in awe and appreciative I am of the work that you all have done. Alice was telling some stories about the band the University of Chicago. Was that Ben Nickerson? Yeah. yeah. Who has had some interesting experiences already as a freshman, sort of cognitive dissonance between what was normal here at Yarmouth High School and in your school district, and then what's not normal in terms of collaboration, the, the uh, freedom to take a laptop. Uh, this, by the way, is my middle daughter, Sarah. Uh, it was a year ago, December, when um, we were here. And uh, sometimes when you're in a culture, you don't perhaps recognize as, as clearly the characteristics that define your culture and make it special. And you all do have a tremendous amount that is very special. And so speaking to you about ideas for improvement is an intimidating thing for me personally. Um, we only have about 20 schools in our whole state with 530-something public school districts that are one-to-one, and most of those are just in their second year of one-to-one. We just had a grant that helped a few schools start. Most of them are sustained. Lots of wonderful things, and of course, it comes down to wonderful people and relationships and helping teachers take some risks and try some new things. So whose life has been changed by this technology? What technology is this? Is it USB? How many of us, you know, use that, whether it's hooking up a printer, connecting a phone, connecting a digital camera? Well, do you recognize this fellow? Yeah, this is a pretty good little 30 second. We're going to talk about digital storytelling today. We're going to talk about creativity and STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh, choices and some different things. And um, I want to start with this because uh, think of geese. I perceive, just and only having been here a little bit, um, that geeks are regarded positively here. <laughs> Would that be accurate? Yeah. You know, those skills are definitely valued. I think that, that they should be, and this ad sort of personifies that. So, uh, let's meet the inventor of USB. deal with here, uh, you know, Maine, Maine is different from Oklahoma, and I don't pretend to know what all those things are, but I do know that if we are going to thrive in the 21st century, and I think we will, I think we're a creative bunch in, in our country, and I think that uh, we're not only resilient, we're flexible, we are going to have to do some different things, and we're going to help, we're going to need to help kids develop perceptions about things like math, science, and technology uh, in different ways than perhaps we have before. I think it's harder than ever to get kids excited. Yes, sir? Well, if you want to put it in tiny one more time. Sure, yeah, it'll um, all... There you go. No problem. It's, uh, I tried to do y, YHS West, and I kind of thought, oh, that won't be taken. I even uploaded these to SlideShare last night, and then, oh, I hadn't checked my address, so... Uh, YHS 28 set for September. Uh, 
I, I, I think it, in some ways it's harder than ever to get kids excited about the space program because where is our space program today? We don't have a launch capability. Uh, we're relying upon the, the Russians. Um, I haven't checked in lately with articles, but I know they had an accident, and so they had suspended launches for Soyuz. A friend of mine, her husband, is, is, is a rocket scientist. He works at Houston. He was recognized by JPL as one of their top scientists. He designed all the solar stuff on the shuttle and visiting with her a couple weeks ago, man, it's kind of a tough time not only to get kids excited about thinking of the space program, but how about working at NASA? Uh, but we are a country that's done an amazing amount of things in 200 years. And one of the things we need to do, even if we're not having a chance to go you know, to, to the space station and beyond in the shuttle, is share a passion and a love for learning science and math um, how many of us in the room are science or math teachers? So we have a number, but a lot of us aren't, right? We're, we're language arts, we're social studies, we're foreign language, we're art, we're, we're something else. But the passion that we can have for learning and the passion for knowing, I'm not finished with what I am continuing to learn and how I'm continuing to grow as a, as a person and as a learner is really important. I took this picture in China on September 11th this year. Uh, it was good, I thought, not to travel on September 11th. And we're in Shanghai, and we're looking across the river. All of what we're seeing across the river was, were rice fields 12 years ago. This is the Pearl Tower, and we're in a, a lighthouse that was built by the 1850s, sitting on the deck, having some drinks, and looking out at these uh, ships. We heard Angus King Monday at our Google Institute say that China's building opening a new coal factory every two weeks. Well, we were sitting here watching the shipping go back and forth. This is the touristy dragon boats that's uh, you know carrying tourists and, and folks who are, are there for the um, moon festival. It's a, it's a really big deal and a big holiday. But we're also seeing ships go by that are so heavily laden with coal, there's only a few feet literally separating them from, from the water, and I'm sure the big, big waves are saying, that can't be safe to have ships that are that heavily laden. Uh, this is the fifth time I've been to China, and every time I come away with different perceptions, one of the strongest this time, uh, because you know Google Mail is blocked, Twitter is blocked, Facebook is blocked, they do not know about Tiananmen Square there, and you do not talk about it. You do not talk about a, a group called Fulong Gong, which I don't know if they're how, where they are on the scale of religious cult, but they scare the government because they're able to organize. One of the teachers that was there, who teaches in Beijing, told us a story about a, a Chinese national who may have been engaged in other kinds of activities the government liked, but what they did know was that he had changed his instant messaging icon to Mao with a Santa hat. And someone came to the school and escorted him out, and he has disappeared. He has not come back to school, and no one knows where he is. About 30,000 people, they estimate, in Beijing are monitoring the Internet and making sure that um, things that are, are receiving a lot of traffic get blocked quickly. One of the other teachers who's in Shanghai said that when he changed his cell carrier and his phone and he was texting people his new address, suddenly his phone stopped texting and he contacted, you've sent too many text messages. So you've been, your account's been suspended. You know, we're wedded to China and I won't pretend to be an expert on our relations with them, but one of the things we have to do is recognize that creativity and innovation and students being passionate about Thinking of outside the box isn't just fluff for a few kids and the ones that are going to go into art. It's really important for our society and our economy. And uh, when you go to China and you see this and you're in the middle of it, it really makes you think about those things. So today I'd like to talk about three main things, some needs that we have, I think, in education, the power of video and story, and the idea of playing with media. And I think someone has a random... Um, none thing selector. Yeah. And we'll call on you here in a little bit because I wrote a book and I've got a, a copy of it. It's an ebook with 17 videos right inside. So if you've got your iPad or your iPhone, you can watch those. 
and these resources are, are all linked from that website that, that I put up earlier, and I'll put that up at the end as well. Our kids need to make stuff. If you were to think about the lessons that were most significant for you as a student, I bet a lot of those lessons involved projects, it involved creating things, it involved active learning. Today, in this, you know, 50 minutes or so that we have together, I'm on the stage, literally, right, talking, and, and this is not going to be the most interactive session you've ever participated in. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to make stuff, and we're going to look at some examples of teachers as well as students who have made digital things. Um, creativity, the root word is create, right? If your kids aren't making stuff, they can't be creative. And if the stuff they make all looks the same because you decided in advance exactly what it needed to look like, there wasn't creativity either. So helping our kids have choices in what they do, and I know I'm preaching to the crowd with a lot of this because you all do wonderful projects and work, but whether you do teach math or science, whether you are the Spanish or the French teacher, whether you are the social studies teacher, our kids need to make stuff to learn deep. This is one of my favorite slides to talk about, even though the colors are a little bad here. When I received my, earned whatever, my first graduate degree, or my master's degree, I did not get to study this, right? Because I got that in 96 to date myself. That's when I got a master's degree. This is the 2001 revision of Bloom's Taxonomy, and create is at the top. All the words are verbs, and we recognize that not only the lower level stuff that we test so easily on a bubble sheet and tend to focus a lot on in school, but also the higher order thinking skills that are so important, those can be addressed well in many cases when we invite kids to create. So, I want you, as you watch this video, and I'm going to show, I think, four different examples of this person's a teacher and the rest of our student examples of digital stories. I want you to think about this question. I'm going to give you a little time to talk with your neighbor about it. Maybe we'll share a little bit. What does it take to make a good digital story? That's what I want you to think about, the pieces that go into it. Because a lot of us are very intimidated. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm off base. How many of you do assign a video project to your students now? Okay. How many of you have created a video yourself that you've published online that you've shared? Okay, hands high. Raise them proud. Okay. So we, we all need to raise our hand for that. How many of us have read an e-book? Let's do that one. Okay. So I come back in a year. I want all those hands raised. Okay. Who are the experts on reading in this community? You are. Who are the experts on literacy? You are. I know that we're not completely comfortable with e-books. I'm not either. I like a printed book. In fact, my daughter illustrated my book using the, the iPad app brushes. And one of the most beautiful things about this was getting the printed copy and seeing her excitement with her name on it. She's an illustrator. She's eight. Okay. <laughs> seeing her as an illustrator, as a published author. And, you know, there's something different about it. It's a printed book. And I'm holding it, you know, versus the electronic. But every single one of us needs to be an e-book reader, for sure. And we also need to dabble in the creation of these, of these tools. So let's think about this. What does it take to make a good digital story? This is a story that was created by an Oklahoma teacher uh, in the beginning week of August this year, August 5th, 2011. And our Story Chasers group, which we call ourselves, not storm chasing, but story chasing, has been involved in this project, Celebrate Oklahoma Voices, now for five years. And we have 940 videos that teachers and students across our state have created. And now we've started projects in Kansas and Texas. This particular workshop was at Oklahoma State University, and it had a STEM focus, science, technology, engineering, and math. The teachers didn't have to create a STEM video, but they were encouraged to. And this is a two-day workshop. Half the time is showing how to do stuff. And the other half is creating a video, making usually a three to five minute video. So this is three and a half minutes long. This includes some audio interview. 
right? Because one of the things that teachers receive in their digital backpack is a recorder like this, like I'm recording today, battery operated, USB, plugs right into your computer. I want you to think as you watch this, what did it take to make this? You're going to have a little time to talk with your neighbor. The engineering design process is a process used to address problems and generate solutions. We will be using the process in our SIN class this year. The process has five steps that will be covered in this video. Identify the problem, explore and design, create, try it out, and make it better. Michael Solomon, a junior at Oklahoma State University, embraced the engineering process to solve a problem his family faced. He wanted to help his family reduce their carbon footprint by using alternative forms of energy. After being inspired at a science camp, he decided to take on the challenge of building a wind turbine for his family's home. Here is the story of his creative design process. It all started back in 2007 with Wall Street Regions Camp. What we focused on that camp was we spent about a week or so exploring different, you know, wind and solar technology projects. But one that kind of stuck in my mind was when we built a small-scale wind generator, and it was, you know, essentially generating something like one walk or something, which is pretty minuscule. But what we did is we, we went up on the hill at Swazoo, which is a hill that kind of served the campus. And we, it was a windy day, and we, we tested our, our generators that we had constructed to spend a day or so working on. But I was the only one that kind of kept modifying it, and you know, everyone was just like, oh, we'll just put it together like the instruction manual said. Well, it's like, oh, instruction manuals, you know, getting to those right yet. Just be creative and try, you know, innovate and try new designs, and sure enough, mine worked the best because you have to, to constantly tinker and, and, and modify the design. That's, that's the only way that you know how to you know, come up with these, these processes. You know, it led into me starting my first prototype generator that uh, was really pretty primitive, but you know, I went through five different you know, prototype processes where I was adapting the turbine that I built and then trying new motors and you know, trying new brushes in a generator and putting new magnets in and things like that. You know, the blades, I changed the blades probably 20 times and just kept modifying the design. And now I have a turbine today that I came up with that I had to call my own because it was, you know, it was my design and I basically built to scratch out a steel that was well together and laying in a bit myself. Since Michael decided on the final wind turbine, he has constructed his own solar panels as well. He purchased an inverter to allow the power to be used by his home. When Michael was 15, he was able to take his family's home off the grid and depend on his wind and solar power reserves. The family uses the power today to supplement what they receive from the power grid. It has lowered their power bills from $220 to almost nothing. Michael continues to find ways to make things better and improve his design. He worked with a group in college to produce a prototype wind turbine that could be used on large wind farms. He has also had internships in Canada and the Bahamas and has met TV Pickens and shared his vision. Attribution there, one of the things we don't have in all our videos. Take some time to do that. Oh, look, copyright-friendly resources, <coughs> um, obtaining images, you know, that, that can be freely used. So I'm going to jump out of my presentation, go to the Internet. There's a nice site that I like, and I have bookmarked just online-stopwatch.com. I like this because you don't need any special software. You can just dial in your time. And I'm going to give you 90 seconds. I want you to talk to your neighbor about that question. What all did it take? There were a lot of pieces to create that story. Okay?
Okay, if you would like to type into the back channel um, on today's meet, you can get that from the link that I shared earlier, or if you want to just use that same abbreviation, um, yhs 28 sep and put that after todaysmeet.com, you can do that, and uh, you have this opportunity to, to be able to get that. Yeah, it's not always that we're doing a presentation with everybody, and hey, there's a back channel, and you can put something on the screen. I love that it was real that that student actually used his design. His family actually used his design to. Well, it took a good story, right, and a, and a good, a good tale to tell about of an actual thing that happened to someone in their community. What else did it take? Photos. Took pictures, right, to bring that to life. We could have just listened to the audio, and that's great to just use audio. But having images that could bring that to life really helped our learning. That was one of the things that Alice said Ben has run into in college. He's realized what a visual learner he is. And that's kudos to you all, because clearly teachers here at Yarmouth have been using images to help students learn, you know, and not just lecturing with, without visuals. So what else did it take? Uh, there was, she had a structure so that, you know, there was, she, she had targets. Mm-hmm. But she, she told the story, and it was good writing, don't you think? I mean, she had written that very similar to an essay with structure. She introduced her idea, and then she brought in her expert, but then she narrated it as well, summarized. I mean, good writing. And, and we know about that, right? We're teachers. We're, our kids write. We're, we're used to talking about good writing. Whether we are a language arts teacher or a science teacher or a math teacher. What else did it take? It seems it took a different kind of writing because it's much more concise hmm. and to the point than other languages that we might use or something to be It's super hard to create a short public service announcement, a short video. I mean, that's three and a half minutes, and that's the longest one I'm going to show. The other ones are like a minute, a minute and a half long. In many ways, it's easier to write that long five-paragraph essay, that five-page paper. I mean, our kids may cringe, oh, it's five pages. Hey, you've got 30 seconds. You better pick your words real carefully, pick your images real carefully, pick your music real carefully. Because you have so much, you know, short time. So there's a lot of tireless thinking that goes into that. Because I may have this whole box of, you know, or, or you know, it's on a file or whatever. Hopefully it's, there's digital and I'll just still note cards. But, you know, I have a lot of stuff and I have to distill that down to essential pieces. What else did it take? So it took incredible organization after all those pieces were done and putting the whole visual story together in using uh, the software, whatever they used, iMovie or whatever, putting all the pieces in order, editing out. We collected these different pieces, we had them organized, and then we assembled them. She assembled them, right? They used used photo story, came folks who are unfortunately cursed to use Windows machines, and there are many of us in the world. Thankfully, Microsoft did create this nice program called Photo Story 3. A lot of our folks, I mean, not a lot, but those that are not going to use My thing with Story Chasers is whatever tool you have, use it well, okay? Let's tell good stories. And so that assemble, assemblage process is we think about it as a bucket. There's a folder of pictures, and you order those, you know, and then you've got your audio, and we have to synchronize them, right? Wouldn't make sense to see Boone Pickens' picture, you know, at the beginning when we're not talking about it. It needs to come up at the time we say that. Alright? So, good comments here. It took time for it to unfold. It was compelling. Um, this is, you know, the software, that was the Ken Burns effect, right? And iMovie has that effect. It's not always effective. I mean, in some cases, in photo story, it's a default. And like when she's showing that text, I mean, you know, just like PowerPoint, do all PowerPoint slides need animation? Please, no. Um, but sometimes it can be effective and helpful. So that process of analyzing media and analyzing video, I think, is a very good process. 
And we can do this with our students. We can find examples, maybe just a few that I'm going to share with you today. Our kids have a fair amount of media literacy in terms of how they see media and they're influenced by media. We need kids to become far more savvy, though, about manipulation and, and critical thinking. You know, just go to the grocery store and check out line. I guarantee you none of those women really look that perfect in real life. They've all been photoshopped. They all have. Remember Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman? Remember that story? You think of Julia Roberts, beautiful woman, you know, her legs, they weren't, they weren't pretty enough, right? They had to Photoshop her legs off her body for the poster. What's up with that? Well, that's the society we live in. And I think the best way to help kids become more aware of all kinds of media manipulation is by helping them become creators, shifting from being just the consumer and the passive recipient to the producer. But here's this question, where do we start, Wes? Many times at conferences, I will show just knock your socks off examples of video, okay? And one of the problems with that is we can actually intimidate ourselves to say, oh my gosh, I don't have the time for that, because nobody mentioned the time factor. I don't have the skills for that, because we think we need to know all the point and click, and we'll just be intimidated. So... You all pointed out a lot of things. I'm going to point out two things. It starts with good writing. With the exception of the Blair Witch Project, which I don't recommend and I'm a little embarrassed to admit I watched. <laughs> I don't think any films that have made a Hollywood splash has, have, have, have skipped this. Okay? Yeah, I think the Blair Witch Project, they just grab the camera and, hey, let's make a movie. Okay, great. You know. Did anybody like director's cut parts of DVDs? Is anybody here a Lord of the Rings fan? Anybody like Peter Jackson? Anybody excited about The Hobbit coming out? What, Christmas after this? Oh, it's so great. My wife addicted to those DVDs, you know, and, and being able to watch the extended version and hear Peter or hear other, you know, the, the uh, director of uh, costumes, you know, talk about all this background. Wow! All the planning. One of my favorite stories, and it's in The Return of the King, one of the extended DVDs. That's not a... They're like hours, so that's not a real great pointer. But they talk about the kid who has drawn the storyboards for almost all of Jackson's films. As a teenager, he was one of the kids in the back of the room, you know, drawing doodles and, and sketching stuff, and he got discovered. And oh my gosh, he has worked now on all of these different films. The way that they not only sketch out storyboards, but they call them animatics where they'll have people read the script and then they flash the different scenes on and you're thinking, oh my gosh! Incredible planning and writing. We feel comfortable teaching kids writing? I hope so, right? If you need to, okay? It starts with good writing. We know about good writing. We need to put media and layer it with that good writing. And I believe this. It starts with an invitation. Each of us need to be willing to give that invitation to our kids to create with media. And it may not be that project that took 10 hours, that super long big thing, maybe something shorter, but it may involve things like going into the community and recording something, going home and recording something, and bringing that back. Anybody know where this is? <laughs> Ooh, let me tell you, yeah, that was a that was a good obstacle right there. Mike, what do you think? Frank Lambs? Yeah, sure. Okay. The menu for learning today is bigger than ever. And we need to expand our own menu, not only of content that we bring to students, and you all do a great job of this. I mean, just the fact that many of you have your own website where kids are going to supplement their learning. Again, back to Ben. <laughs> He's not finding that in a lot of his classes. Professors don't just do that. Here's my website. Here's where you can find my slides and my resources. We need our students to use media for it to be part of the menu for how they show us what they know and what they understand. So, a resource to share with you is this Talk With Media site. I almost named my book Talk With Media, but I, I believe it's not just about talking in this one way, it's about playing. We make sense as, as human beings of confusing things through play. 
how do young children use imaginative play? Well, they work out new words. They work out new situations, new people. This is a wiki that uh, I have used along with others in Shanghai the last two years in September for that conference that I talked about. And we've built this wiki. And one of the things, I'll zoom in so you can see this better, lots of different examples of student projects and there's a menu. It's not just this final, like how many of you have seen Marco Torres show some of his student work? Some of you have seen that? Wow. Knock your socks off. Amazing stuff. But we don't start there, and we may not even get to that point of, you know, George, George Lucas recognized media. We can just use audio. There's some great science, and I don't have one of these, I didn't put one of these in, but just this little science podcast where they're interviewing. I think they're talking about why apples get brown, you know? And, but they're, they're creating media, and it's tied to the curriculum. Narrated slideshows are what I'm, what that first one was, right? Was there true video in that one? Was pictures, right? There's a nice simplicity to that. How many of you have a, a device in your pocket or in your purse that will take video today. Anybody? That's exciting. Sometimes we think, oh, that's what we have to do, but this is a high-definition camcorder. This shoots 720p video. What does that mean? It means I shoot like a minute, and it's huge. You know, it's, it's really, really big. So, I want you to think about this menu, and think about how kids might be able to create with media uh, somewhere on this menu. One of our favorite applications for the iPhone and the iPad is called Sonic Kicks. I'm not... I will say in full disclosure that this fellow has bought a little ad on my blog this last month, so I will just disclose that. But I love this program before you know he did that. What does this let you do? Take pictures, put them in a slideshow, click record, and make a recording. On the flight back to 15 hours direct flight to Shanghai to Atlanta two weeks ago, we had been to the Shanghai Museum and seen these incredible coins. And Okay, if I don't create something pretty soon about what I just learned uh, of coins in the Silk Road, this coin that I came with Khan's name and it was from, you know, 1200 something, I might forget it. This kind of application lets us create that kind of thing a lot more readily. And it supports something in my book that I talk about called The Ethic of Minimal Clicks. If you can do something with five clicks that used to take 20, or you can do something in 10 or 15 minutes, that used to take an hour, that's a big deal. Because even if you know how to do it the longer way, you're more likely to do it. And those of us that haven't done it yet may be more likely to try. So, digital telling may not be digital storytelling. We've all seen kids do PowerPoints, and we've done two, you know, factual tell-tell. And there's really not a story. But I don't think it's wrong to engage in digital telling. Let's be aware of the power of stories and how stories will hook to our brain better than just facts. But there's a menu of things we can do with media, and digital telling is okay. Digital storytelling is probably going to be more powerful, but digital telling is part of, of the menu. So, let's do a quick drawing. Um, my website, Planet Media, has links to readings <coughs> of the book. Um, the ebook is available on Amazon. For the Kindle, it's available for the Nook, and uh, there's an electronic version. And the idea is we need to play more with digital text, images, audio, and video. So this is a paper version. It's autographed by Rachel, um, and it has the CD that has all three electronic versions. So you can load this with iTunes to your iPad, or if you have a Kindle, or if you don't have an e-reader, you can get the free software for Kindle. So. Do we have a, a way to Rick randomly... Rick is our random generator. Generate somebody's name? Yes. Do, do. Hopefully we have the... French. We have the uh, turbo... Yeah, you do. I do. So that'll work. Okay. Very good. Thank you. All right. There's a website called the... Uh, what is it called? The something Fruit Machine. And you can click and do random, but... So this is all... You've yeah. got a spreadsheet. Yeah, spreadsheet, random generator. Well, what do we do with this here? Why is this so large on here? I wonder. Well, it's uh, it's probably gone to yeah. eight by six. But anyway, where this came from was um, I wanted a quick and down and dirty way to pick groups in, in class. Just as a and anybody, I'll send this to anybody that you want. Unfortunately, um, 
screen here. I'm not getting everything on. Here, we can, we'll, I'll, I'll adjust real quick while you talk okay. to. So, anyway, um, you, when, when I play with this stuff, it's when I'm watching baseball. I get my laptop in my lap to kind of develop something, and, and that's when I do it. And so, um, I wanted a down, quick, dirty way to form lab groups or any other kind of groups. And I wanted it to be really random, and I wanted it to be quick. And so I developed this, and it works out pretty well. And I'll just show you, you know, really quickly. Sorry. That's fine. It's okay. Uh, what, what I can do is just, uh, you can actually, uh, is there a percentage thing up there? Lower the percentage. Yeah, yeah there we go. There we go. So, um, if uh, my class, red class, happens to be the class that's meeting this morning, they're going to do some group work. So when I click on that, goes over there, there's the groups. So group number one, go to table one, group number two, go to table two, and it's written out there very quick. Um, if I don't like those groups, or the kids say, can we try it? Okay, let's just do it again, and there we go. It's another whole set of groups. So Alice asked me to do something for the drawing, so what I did was I arranged one for the faculty, but i got to find my button over here. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's meshed right in. Uh, it's meshed right in with the uh, with the random uh, grade grade generator that I've developed also, which saves me a lot of time. I already know who's going to who's going to pass this year and everything. And so um, I thought he was giving away four books. So I had four places. You can only give away one book, right? I think so. Can I talk well, you to know give away four? I have four be good. You know what? I think I do have another CD version. Okay, so two. We're up to two? I think so. Okay. So, so, so the, top two, the top two people up there are going to get the books, okay? I thought it was going to be four, but apparently it's only two. <laughs> Guy comes, takes up my Okay, we'll do this. Okay. Yeah. I'll never know. The first person gets the electronic. Share with the first person. So we'll do the first person. We'll get the print. Okay. The second person will get the electronic. Okay, great. Is that, is, that, is that fair? Sure. Okay, here we go. You ready for this? Here we go. So, boom. Julie Rain. Julie Rain. Yeah, sorry, Adam. Can we use that for lunch duty for the rest of the year? Absolutely. That's right. Hey, if you write the program, you can have a lot of power. All right. So, a couple of examples. I think we've got about 10 minutes. Um, next visit for learning is Russian Hurley's. Save the World Nonprofit. I love how he describes that. Lots of great video examples, lots of curricular links and student-created uh, products. Short one minute, 50, okay, almost two minutes, one minute, 54 seconds video called Math Morning. As you watch it, I want you to think about the same question. What did it take for this video to be created? Hi, my name is Allison again, and uh, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I'm going to show you a math Take. Video. Took some video, took a camera, 
It took going outside the classroom, right? Bringing stuff that I think he's probably passionate about, knowledgeable about, but bringing that expertise and overlaying concepts that we're talking about in school with things that he's encountering out in the world. So, learning outside the classroom. Did you all know National Geographic has 17 of these maps? They cost $480 to rent for two weeks. And one of the things, this is yesterday in Lewiston. Sometimes we see these maps of the United States is just gigantic, right? You know how big Canada is? Wow, the big north. It was, it's cool. This is, this is North America. I actually, and I don't have this video, but I went ahead and just walked the flight path. Because on the flight to Shanghai that was um, Atlanta, let me find Georgia here. Atlanta, I mean, this was... That's where we flew, you know, over the Aleutian chain at 600-something knots. And just, that's incredible. Fun. We've got to get outside the classroom, though, and invite our kids to do that. And one of the good news is today is that these mobile devices are extremely powerful. These are computers. And these can allow kids to bring content from the community right to the classroom. Let's remember this, and now let's stop reminding of this. It is not about us doing all the work. The first video I showed you, yeah, the teacher created that. But digital storytelling is just not about us creating all this video and entertaining everybody. If we're at the front of the room doing all the work, who's doing most of the learning? We are. And that's a problem. So, we're still going to be at the front of the room at times. We're still going to be sharing and, and lecturing at times. But our kids need to teach more of the curriculum. How many of you know about the Khan Academy? probably a lot, or anybody doing any kind of science and math especially ought to know about this. Over 2,400 now educational videos. Yeah, Bill Gates loves to talk about this. It is, it's exciting, right? But our kids creating videos that communicate concepts and teach, that gets me even more excited. Why? The depth of learning is different. It's different when I watch you do it compared to when I do it. So let's look at another example. This one's called Rate of Work. I want you to think about what it took to make this video. This is a minute and seven seconds long. What did it take to create that? One thing that hasn't been said is it takes um, great public speaking skills to create a good audio. Oral communication skills. And how do we get better at that? We have to practice. And you know what? One of the best ways to become a better oral presenter is to record yourself. You know, it's painful. We, we think we know what we sound like. We don't. Other people do. We don't. So even just the audio layer of this can be very powerful, not just for first grade, primary age kids, older kids. We don't practice this stuff enough. Our kids don't write enough. We need to do that more. What happens when we do it more? We get better at it. So that's a very good point. What else did this take? Mathematical knowledge. Mathematical knowledge, absolutely. Content knowledge. (coughs) Did the teacher give them choices about how they showed this? You bet. I don't think the teacher probably anticipated that it would look that way. So that was an instructional deal, right? Giving choice. I'll say it took creativity, too. My son's a big Lego fan. Yes, sir. Um, One thing uh, I'm thinking about the role of the teacher is as a coach, as a guide. Yes. Not as a single stage. Uh, I also think of trust. Trust that they know... And now they're going to do a good job. Uh, don't be so 
Don't worry about knowing everything. You don't know anything. That's right. And they're not going to be able to do one of these projects for the entire, every unit of the curriculum, right? That's the whole thing about the curriculum being a mile wide and an inch deep. But when they do get deep and they do that project, and they know that it'll be shared with their peers, and so the stakes are different because I'm not just doing this small assignment that's going to be thrown away. I mean, it's different when it's going to be shared, you know, and maybe celebrated. That can change the stakes for students. And, and it also changes the mix for us in our identity. I mean, our identity as teachers has historically been the sage on the stage. And that we're not going to, I don't think, give that up entirely, but we absolutely need to be facilitating and letting students teach. The learning is going to be a lot deeper when that happens. All right, so last video. Um, this is my youngest. She's the illustrator of the book. This is Rachel. And again, as you watch this short video, a minute and 15 seconds, I want you to think about what did it take and how is this particular video different from the other ones that we've seen. Hi, I'm Rachel, and I like to talk to you about art. Art is one of the things that I like to do is be creative and using your brain and share. See, at my school, only fifth graders have art teachers and get to do art and get the experience. Well, I feel that first graders should be allowed to do art as one of the things that I like to do. Here's one of the drawings that I did when I was young, and even I still like to do art. <laughs> even when I was sick, and in all ages, it was all still the same. I think that using your brain and creativity is a good thing. That first graders should be allowed to do art because it's a feeling that you can do it. And using your brain and just doing what you're told to do inside. So I think you should go on and keep moving and keep trying and getting it right. All right. So, what did it take to tell that story? First off, do you think that was the first go with this? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. There were multiple takes. What did it? How was that different than what you've seen before? Well, someone was patient. Yes, there was patience involved. Passionate. There's passion that we're tapping into with the topic. I call that. I have a slide of this. A no edit video, right? There's no post production. We didn't edit it at all. Now, iMovie and some other apps, even flip cameras, I think, let you trim, and that's a helpful thing because you don't always start the camera right where you want, and you sometimes end it later. And you got to be careful because if you start it late, what happens? <laughs> yeah, that's your introduction. Shoot. But videos like that are more doable today than ever. Do some of your kids have iPhones? iPod Touches? Yeah. Some, some do, right? Not everybody does. Let's not assume everybody does. I think that we need to find opportunities to bring a lot of different media types in. Um, we have any coaches in the audience? Okay. Does video and tape play? We call it still tape, but you know, does that play a role for what we do coaching-wise? Absolutely, being able to see not only the opponents, but let's see ourselves. Let's, let's break this down. What did we do right? What did we not do? These tools are now in our pockets in a lot of cases, and we can capture some compelling things, ask kids to put their best foot forward, because they probably won't give us their first try. They'll try it more than once. And what happens when they try five times and they give us try five? they got better, right? They became more fluent. They became more comfortable with what they were saying. There was a lot of positive things. So, as I close, great book to recommend to you. Actually, Boss Frankel, or Seedlings with Alice, um, has told me about this book. Love that quotation. <laughs> Technology is not tremendous unless it goes both ways. What does the mainstream media tell us about? The abuse. Right, the locker room fit pictures, the fight video, the, the bullying on Facebook, all of those harmful, hurtful things we tend to see are amplified more in the media. 
What does the public then start to believe about technology? Ooh, it's evil. Ooh, it's bad. Oh, we've got to, you know, we've got to be fearful of it. I think part of our responsibility is to empower kids to use these tools constructively. There's a lot of stuff happening online every 60 seconds. This is an old slide. It's from April, right? 600 new videos per minute as of April uploaded online. And that's just one little excerpt. We can't ignore this in education. And you all aren't ignoring this. I'm preaching to the choir here. But perhaps more of us can invite students to use media. So here's my closing challenge for you. And I call this the Playing with Media Classroom Challenge. This year, I challenged you personally to share at least one example of student work in the following categories. At least one example of digital text. Many of you are doing this already. Your kids are in Google Docs, but you may not have published with their permission and parent permission what they wrote together. An image project, right? Let's skip the audio. Let's just use pictures. You've got five pictures to communicate that concept from the curriculum. An audio project. Skip the images. Let's just go to audio. And then a video project. Last, collaborative. If every single one of you would do just one collaborative project this year and then share it and talk about it and then meet in here and celebrate what you've learned and done, I think that would go a long way towards edifying and celebrating those folks who have taken the risk it takes to do this and also just giving you more ideas to do. Okay? So I've set up a website. It's uh, share.playingwithmedia.com. Uh, you can win a free iRig microphone, a $60 mic that plugs into your iPhone. Uh, this month I'm going to give away some new, some cool technology thing every month. And there's a drawing, just share something. In, in uh, Michigan, a fourth grade class took a trip to their legislature. The teacher gave the students instruction on how to use Cinch, and they, they have a little interview with their state rep there. Awesome. I don't think they had done that before. I think we're out of time. Thank you for your time, and good luck playing with media.